We're in John chapter 3. We'll look at verses 16, John 3, 16 through 36. Last week we looked at Nicodemus on his visit to see Jesus. And we heard Jesus explain how any person, including Jews, had to be born again. And you had to be born again to see the kingdom of God. Being born again entails having a complete lifestyle change. And this is Jesus' requirement to see his kingdom. And we see many supposedly Christians who object to the term being born again. I don't know why, but they do. But it is a description by Jesus that must happen to us to see his kingdom or to go to heaven. Jesus taught how salvation, how it comes about. How do we believe and how do we enter into his kingdom? Well, we have to have a new birth which comes about by believing in Jesus. And Jesus is God's provision by his only begotten son for us to live sin-free before God the Father through the atoning blood of Jesus. And that all brings us to John 3.16. Probably, most likely, the most well-known verse in all of the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And we notice there the first opening words there, for God so loved the world. God's love towards mankind is complete. Before we, as human beings, did anything, good, bad, otherwise, anything to gain his approval, he loved us. But mankind, because of the fall of Adam and Eve, are born into sin. We don't have to consider how to sin. We are sinners born into this world. But God has reached out to each of us in complete love. God did not wait for man to realize his need of a Savior, or we'd still be waiting. We'd still be waiting. God seeing man's need made provision for us by giving us Jesus. Therefore, God loving the entire world. And the thing that surprised Nicodemus, not only the Jews are loved by God, but the entire human race is loved by God. And Jesus corrects the thinking of the Jews or Israel, and he corrects it by explaining that God loves the entire world. And God wants us to know that he loves each and every one of us. That's God's desire 
for you and I to know. And it makes true that God is a personal God. He don't just love multitudes. He loves each and every one of us. But God's requirement for us to experience his love comes through his only begotten son. God could not look upon our need without providing a solution. And it cost God. It cost him his only son, his only begotten son. Sin of mankind was so grievous, it required an absolute, a perfect sacrifice for our sins. And that, of course, was Jesus, the sinless one. That perfect gift of cleansing by our belief. All you have to do is believe and be saved. By belief in Jesus. It amazes me sometimes that God gave us a free will. We have free will to accept Jesus or reject Jesus. And really what we do is we either accept or reject eternal life based upon the act of believing. And by believing, we avoid perishing. A simple act of trusting God for the gift of salvation. It is Jesus who gives us everlasting life. A simple act of faith, believing that Jesus is God's Son, that He is a gift from God, gives us salvation. God does everything possible for us to avoid perishing and for us to receive everlasting life. To receive God's endless love all we have to do is believe. Just believe. Such a deal. All right, let's look at verses 17 through 21 of John 3. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that, through, that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. God did not send Jesus to condemn mankind. However, not to believe in the great offer of salvation that Jesus provides, you condemn yourself. If you don't believe you're already condemned. 
To refuse to believe in Jesus is self-condemnation. God offers us a way out of condemnation or away from perishing, and that is to simply believe. And no one can look into you to see if you believe or don't believe. We can never judge if a person believes or doesn't believe. But there is no neutral ground to stand on with God. You're either saved or not saved. We are offered a way out of condemnation. And contrary to multitudes who think they can stay uncondemned or, you know, by not believing in anything, not committing to Christ or anything, let me just tell you, you're deceived to destruction because you're already condemned. So the issue for some is, and some people ask this question, what about those that have never heard the good news of the gospel, who have never heard of Jesus? Well, that is dealt with by Paul, the Apostle Paul, in Romans 1, where God has personally revealed himself to all of mankind and will judge each and every person by that revelation given to them by God. Let me read you two verses in Romans 1, 18 and 19. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. So you ever wonder about those that have never heard? God himself has revealed himself to them and will judge them according to that revelation. Back to John. In verses 19 through 21, we have Jesus explaining condemnation. What is it like to be condemned? He... Jesus declares himself is the light of the world and he has come unto man. And here's the condemnation. Men love darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds are evil. Their behavior is sinful. And here's the truth about each and every person, all of mankind, for Everyone who habitually participates in doing evil hates the light, hates the way of Christ, and refuses to come to Christ, come to the light, lest their evil behavior be revealed. And then verse 21, we have, however, we have a pause, but he who does the truth, he who lives in truth, that person gravitates or towards or comes to the light of Jesus. That person will live in such a way that his behavior is clearly seen. And they live a life that is unto God. And Jesus has just explained the behavior of a person that is born again. 
you come to the light. And when our lives demonstrate being born again, we naturally take on the character of our Lord Jesus. And like our scripture reading this morning, all things become new. And our life changes because we have a new agenda, a new goal. And our goal is to be like Jesus. And our behavior, unless we're born again, is basically evil. Natural man hates the light and will not come to the light. But then we read, he who does truth comes to the light. So our deeds are clearly seen that they're done before God. We live in a way where we stand before God uncondemned. Now John, he's going to explain the transition of John the Baptist compared to Christ in Christ doing baptizing. And that's in verses 22 through 35. After these things, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea, and there he remained with them and baptized. Now John was also baptizing in Aenon near Salim, because there was much water there. And they came and were baptized. For John had not yet been thrown into prison. Then there arose a dispute between John's, some of John's disciples and the Jews about purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you beyond the Jordan to whom you have testified, behold, he is baptizing, and all are coming to him. And John answered and said, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, his joy are. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. And then John says, he must increase and I must decrease. He who comes from above is above all, and he who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. And what he has seen and heard, that he testifies, and no one receives his testimony. He who has received his testimony has certified that God is true. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God does not give the Spirit to him by measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. We have Jesus here validating the ministry of John the Baptist. And how does he validate it? By having his own disciples baptize. Verse 26. Then John, he's confronted by the Jews uh, and they come and say, Jesus is baptizing, and all the crowds are going to Jesus, John. And then we have John confess, I am not the Christ, and I have been sent before him. John admits he is the forerunner of Christ. John is then described 
in this passage as the bridegroom. He is a friend. Now, in a Jewish wedding, the bridegroom brought the bride and the bridegroom together. It was his job to make them uh, there at the ceremony and bring them together. And John says, my joy is full because this is my ministry. I have brought the people of, of God to Jesus. I am a bridegroom. And in verse 30, John proclaims his ministry. And he says, I must decrease and he must increase. And then John goes on to say, Jesus is from above and speaks of heavenly things. I speak of only earthly things. But those who receive Jesus' testimony... They have certified, they are proof that God is true. You and I are proof that Christ lives. We are proof of a better way, everlasting life. Verse 34, John declares the words of God and the Spirit of God is given to Jesus without measure. You and I, as disciples of Christ, as followers of Christ, are giving the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, with measure, with limitations, in a limited way. But Jesus was given the Holy Spirit of God with no limitations, none whatsoever. And then we see that God the Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. And that's an exclusive proclamation. John declares Jesus is completely God. There is not a pecking order in the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And they work in perfect harmony with one another. And Jesus is not a little lower than God. He is God. But John wraps up this declaration of who Jesus is in verse 36. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. And he who does not believe in the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abides on him. This is actually a repeat of uh, John 3.16. Believe in Jesus. Experience everlasting life. Do not believe in Jesus. And you have the wrath of God that rests upon you. Believe and be saved. No believe, you're faced with God's wrath. It's that simple. And the words of Jesus are extremely sobering. Because in it, he describes the path to everlasting life. Jesus has just told uh, Nicodemus he had to be born again. 
Jesus has just described how man is sinful by nature and they face condemnation if they don't believe in Jesus. We're blessed. We have the truth. What a great blessing it is to know the truth. Consider these words by, of Jesus during this Thanksgiving season. We are grateful, we're thankful for the truth of Jesus Christ. We believe in him because he holds eternal life. So, consider these things as we go through the holidays and may the Lord give you a blessed holiday. Let me get you to stand and we'll close in prayer.